Let me uh, do this because I know by the time we get into this lesson, I'm going to forget at the end. Um, at the Welcome Center, the Welcome Center is loaded down now um, with things that are happening. And so let me share just a few of those things with you because several of them are new um, to us um, as I've been here as the, the pastor. Um, we have, uh, starting um, very soon, um, the, first, uh, excuse me, the first week in September... Uh, we will begin a ladies' Bible study, and that will be on Thursdays. There are two options for that Bible study. There's a Thursday morning at 9 a.m., and there's a Thursday evening at 7 p.m. And uh, they're doing a uh, Beth Gray Bible study. And uh, at the Welcome Center, there are sign-up sheets. You can sign up at the Welcome Center. Did I say something wrong? Beth Moore. Sorry. I, I'm not sure. Anyways, it's... It's by one of those ladies that write spiritual books. Um, Beth Moore, sorry. Um, Beth Moore, it's a, it's a Beth Moore Bible study, and um, it, it'll be offered at both times. Uh, it's not like a, you choose which one. You can either come to either one, uh, Thursday morning or Thursday evening. And uh, the cost of the book is $18. Uh, you can sign up at the Welcome Center. You can sign up on our website. You can sign up through our app. Um, you can do it any way that you desire. But um, before we can order the books... Um, we need to have uh, the payment of $18 so, so that we can order those, and then we can begin that study. There's also a men's Bible study beginning uh, that same week of September. Uh, there's a choice here. Uh, we're trying to make a decision as to whether we do it on Tuesday mornings or Thursday mornings. And so when you uh, grab the handout or you go online or you go on our app, you just need to choose which day, Tuesday or Thursday, but it'll be offered at two different times as well. It'll be offered at 5.30 in the morning and also at 8 in the morning. And so there's a 5.30 in the morning and 8 in the morning for the men's Bible study. And uh, we are um, uh, looking forward to that wonderful study. All the information is there or it's on our website or in our app. You can go there. Um, and then, of course, September the 18th is Back to Church Sunday. Um, and we have all the information, everything that you need at the uh, Welcome Center for that, um, as well as online. You can push people to our website if you so desire. Uh, but please take the postcards, hand them out. Please take the posters and post them at places. Um, that's September the 18th. September the 24th is a men's day out. We're going to start. It's going to, the, the, the start time is going to depend on how many people uh, sign up for this event. Um, we're going to start at IHOP for a breakfast. And then we're going to go to uh, Shot Spot, which is the indoor gun range here in Carrollton. And uh, all the information is uh, also at the Welcome Center. There's a huge sign-up sheet for that. Uh, it, the base price is $18 uh, for that event. And then if you need to add on some things, uh, depending on what you have um, in your possession and what you do not. Uh, the question has already been raised is, are minors allowed to attend? They are, um, but there are... Um, uh, there, there are guidelines for that as well, and you can find those on our website or you can find them on that sheet as well. So that's uh, September the 24th. And uh, so that takes care of, uh, and of course, September the 11th is our debt reduction offering. So if you don't have anything planned in September, I've just planned your whole month, and you're very welcome. Um, so uh, this, is, this is what we do, you know. I, I love, you know, summer is a lull for us around here. We, we kind of take it easy a little bit and, and um, you know, but I love when we get back going again. It, it just, it, it does my heart and soul well. And um, I'm very excited. Um, our, um, 
our attendance is back up, and people are excited about church. I've heard a lot of positive comments already about the Bible studies that are beginning, and so uh, I just want you to get involved in everything that you want to get involved in um, and uh, be here as we serve the Lord together. We have, um, I have to tell you this, and uh, it just, I get excited about stuff like this, but by the time this week ends, I will have met with five families that are planning to join our church. And um, I'm just, yeah, um, I'm just thrilled to death. The Lord is uh, doing wonderful things in our church, and uh, uh, he's, he's uh, bringing people to our church that are good people that want to serve the Lord, and uh, it just, it thrills me, I'm telling you, I'm just, I, I don't know anything, any other way to say it. And so if I get real excited in the pulpit, you'll know why, all right? Um, all right, well, we have a, uh, a good-sized study tonight, so we're going to jump right in and uh, uh, look at a journey into the spirit world uh, tonight. Six things the enemy does not want you to know. Six things that the enemy does not want you to know. Uh, your outline will guide you, or you can watch the screen, whatever the case might be. But to fill in the blanks, the answers will be on the screen as well. In the last lesson, we learned that Satan is the most po uh, powerful being in the universe. Unlike God, he is not omniscient, he is not omnipresent, and he is not omnipotent. And so we've, we've talked about that, we've learned about the difference between um, God and the enemy. We also have learned how powerful the enemy is. We talked about last week on Wednesday night, we even hit on it again on Sunday, um, about when uh, Michael was, was uh, fighting for the body of Moses in a battle with the enemy, and he turned it over to God because he knew how powerful the enemy was. And there's only one person that can defeat the enemy, and there's only one person um, that can allow things to happen in our lives, and that is the same person, and that's God himself. So unlike God, he's not omniscient, um, he's not omnipresent, nor is he omnipotent. However, like God, Satan is immutable. He never changes. He never changes. Therefore, in the word of God, we can discover many things about him that he doesn't want us to know. Things that he doesn't want us to know. So why? Because knowing these things can prevent him from leading us into sin. So tonight, we're going to look at six things that Satan does not want us to know. Things that, and, and, and as you read and as you study this tonight, you may think, well, I've known that. But I'm telling you, these are things that the enemy do not want us to know. And then, not only that, he doesn't want us to apply them to our lives. See, a lot of people know things, but they don't apply them to their lives. And uh, the, the Bible is very clear about that, that we are not to be hearers of the word only, but we are to be doers. So tonight, we need to take the next step and not just be a hearer and be educated about it, but actually put that education in to action. So number one, he comes in disguise. He comes in disguise. Um, you know, he, the enemy has been portrayed in our world in many different fashions, none of which actually give uh, purpose to who he is. He does not come uh, looking in the image in which we think he looks. Um, as a matter of fact, the Bible describes him as being beautiful. And uh, he's very cunning, and he comes in disguise. Because Satan is immutable, his tactics haven't changed since the original temptation. When he is first mentioned as coming in disguise of a serpent, uh, he's described in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. Here's what the Bible says. Now the serpent was more what? Subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
He is more subtle than any beast. And, and you know, I, I don't know, I don't think, as I think about this, I don't think that the word serpent um, is the same idea that we think about today. I don't think it was necessarily a talking snake. Um, I, I believe that it was a subtle beast of the field, um, and I believe it was, it was it, he, they were drawn to him. Um, and, that, and that's the reason that they ended up falling into sin is because they were drawn to it. Can I tell you that's exactly the same thing as a Christian? That's exactly how sin comes in our lives. We get drawn to it. Um, it. It looks enticing. It looks beautiful. It looks like something that we want to be involved in. And, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that it will eventually destroy us. It will eventually corrupt us. And we have to be careful about the paths that we take because they are paths that lead, could lead to destruction if we allow the enemy to come in and uh, we allow him to remain disguised in our life. Listen, I know one thing about God, and that is this, that God will reveal to us uh, the enemy. God will reveal to us the sin in our lives. It is our decision whether or not that we remove it. He won't remove it, but he will reveal it. Um, that means that he is clever. He is subtle, the Bible says. He's clever or he's deceptive. The first temptation occurred before the curse, before the serpent was a frightening creature. Originally, there was nothing about the serpent to alarm Eve, um, unlike today. If you were to do a, a yard, uh, mow the yard with uh, Brother Mike Lee, and a snake were to appear, you would watch him turn into a totally different person. Right? It's very true. Brother Mike Lee does not like snakes. Um, do you remember the story of me telling you last year of the snake that fell on my head in here? If you missed that story, it was a fun one. Um, I, I, w- I showed up for a service that we were doing, and I opened the door uh, to the bathroom to turn the light on, and a snake fell on my head. That's true. And it hit the ground. I'm not afraid of snakes. Snakes don't bother me. We actually, I actually have a pet snake. And um, so I, gra- I, I grabbed a bucket, and I put it in the bucket. Brother Mike was outside mowing the yard. At that time, I did not know he did not like snakes. I flagged him down. Brother Mike, look what I found in the church. And I flung that bucket open. I've never seen a grown man run so fast in all my life. And then this is what he said to me, yelling across the parking lot. Don't you put that where I haven't mowed. (laughs) Yes, sir. You know, today we think of a a snake as something different. Back then, uh, before the curse, I believe that it, it was a beautiful creature... And that's why that the, the Adam and Eve were drawn to um, the serpent. Satan never comes to us as a frightening sta- snake. He never comes and says, I'm here to tempt you and to destroy your life. He comes in a very deceptive way to destroy people's lives. Satan always disguises his plan to destroy us. He wants us to believe obeying the Bible will stop us from being liberated and really enjoying life. He doesn't want us to know the truth. Um, and, and the truth is, is that I have more freedom in Christ than I ever do without Christ. Let me say that again. I have more freedom in Christ than I ever do without Christ. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sidebar here for a minute because um, I, I think that in times past, um, especially as pastors, we have handcuffed people 
Uh, we've given them all kind of rules and regulations as to follow um, in order to be right and in order to, uh, to, to follow uh, the biblical principles. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that there's a huge difference between preferences and convictions. It's a huge difference. You know, I have many preferences in my life and for my family, but they're just what God has given to me as a preference. They're, they're not necessarily uh, uh, black and white in the word of God. However, there are convictions that I have that I would not change for anything. You see the difference? You see, my freedom in Christ is this. Should I continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the next two words? God forbid. That is not freedom. Sinning willfully is not freedom. What's freedom? My freedom in Christ is following and doing exactly what he has called me to do. And that is where my joy is. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my what? It's my strength. That's where I find it. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Look at this. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Listen, the bottom line is, is that if you are living for God and doing what God wants you to do with your life, then you're going to get everything that you could possibly need because he's not going to withhold it from you. He's not. I, I hear people say all the time when, I, when I'm witnessing to them, and, and this is what they'll say. They'll, have to say. they'll say, Pastor, I have to change all of my habits. And I'll say, No. All we got to do is change your heart. I don't want to save the outside. I want to work on the inside and allow God to change you from the inside out. And then, and then it's between you and God what your habits are and the things that you do. I can tell you what the Bible says. I can give you a, a, a biblical standard. But the things that we decide to do to bring joy into our lives should be God-centered. Because no good thing will he withhold for them that, and the next two words are very important, walk uprightly. That they walk uprightly, doing according as God commands. Satan tries to deceive us into believing he will improve our lives, when in reality he wants to destroy us by first coming in disguise. Can I tell you something? Nothing good happens in secret. Nothing good happens in secret. Um, it, it's, it, it, you know, it's important that as Christians that we are transparent. That, that we understand that the enemy will come in disguise and that he will try to bring us into secrecy so that you know, we can justify the things that we're doing. Uh, he's very good at that. That's deception. Um, that's manipulation. He's very good at that, saying, hey, listen, it's okay. It's all right. Everything is fine. When in reality, God is saying, no, that is not fine because it doesn't align with my uh, promises. It doesn't align with my word. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to destroy us. We talked about this last week, that once you're saved, you're always saved, right? Okay, once you're saved, can the enemy take up residence within you? Can he possess you? No, but he can what? Oppress you. Good, you were listening last week. He can oppress you. He can discourage you. He can uh, 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 depress you, if I could use that term. Um, and, and he can no longer take my soul, but he will do everything that he can to take my joy. And we need to, to, to realize that we need to be completely transparent 
before the Lord. Number two, he comes to distort. He comes to distort. What does that mean, Pastor? What do you mean that he comes to distort? Well, when Satan approaches us, he tries to distort the word of God. When he first comes to Eve, he asks the question in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. He says uh, this, Now the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and said he unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of... Is that what he said? Is that what God said? He distorted the word of God. God said, You can eat of any tree except right there was only one exception the enemy said huh i wonder how i can change that up a little bit ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden that's not what he said can i tell you that's exactly uh, uh the enemy's tactics is that he will do everything to get as close to the truth as possible and then he'll take a left-hand turn that's what they do. And I'm going to be very cautious here, but I want to tell you something. And I know I've been harping on this for the last couple of weeks on Wednesday nights. But I'm afraid that's what some pastors are doing. They get so close to the truth, they take a left-hand turn. You know, I was attending a funeral one time. And I was sitting towards the back. And this pastor was up, a minister, a person that talked. Um, and I was listening, and I was really encouraged. I thought, man, he is dead on. And then right as he got to the point of Jesus being who Jesus was or is, he went way over here. I was sitting next to someone, I didn't even know them, and I said, man, I'd love to get up there and finish that thought. Because now you've sat to a whole audience You've gotten them so close to the truth, and then you've turned it. Can I tell you something today? That is what the enemy wants. He wants us to get so close. Why does he want us to get so close so that we'll feel good about it? And then I'll turn it. Listen, it's so important that we as Christians understand the word of God and understand the meaning behind it, and study it, and really meditate upon it, and know it, so that we can know the truth. Why? And I've shared this with you many times, because the truth will do what? It will set you free, and you will be free indeed. He wants, to, he wants to distort the truth. In other words, Eve, you have the wrong interpretation of what God said, is what the enemy says. Satan knows he will never succeed. And getting that should say in and getting us to believe God's word isn't to, uh, isn't true, therefore he wants us to distort it. He doesn't deny God inspired it. He just wants us to reconsider how we interpret it. The truth is, is his strategy is brilliant. I want to tell you something that there is really only one interpretation of the Bible, but there are many applications. There there is really only one interpretation of the Bible, many applications. The Bible says. What the Bible means. Does that make sense? We don't have to interpret it. You know, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like me saying to my son, go clean your room. And him saying to me, so you just want me to pick the toys up? 
we didn't interpret that statement correctly. I, I thought I was clear. You know, go clean your room. And the rebuttal I get is, let's do just part of the job. And that's exactly what the enemy is doing. He, he sees the truth. He sees the interpretation. And, and then he wants to change it. Now, we can sit here and preach sermons on different subjects in the Word of God and different passages. And there are many applications of how it is applied to our life. But it is still interpreted the same way. As with Eve, by simply raising the question of interpretation, he avoids a direct attack on God's word, which God's people would uh, quickly reject. The enemy tries to distort what God says about sin using new names that make it seem more legitimate or, or, or more uh, uh, real, realistic. Because the world is under the influence of Satan, we find that in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 19. What God calls evil thoughts in Matthew 15, 19, many times uh, the world just calls mature or adult or entertainment. You know, we, we've, we've tried to water down what sin really is. And, and it, 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 there is really only one interpretation. You understand that? An evil thought is, an, is exactly what it is. It's an evil thought. The world changes it. What the, world calls vile, what the Bible calls vile affections in Romans 1, 26, the world calls an alternate lifestyle. Don't get mad at me tonight. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just showing you the word of God. What God calls adulteries, the world calls affairs. However, the truth is, whatever names the world uses for sin, the eternal principle Moses declares in Numbers 32, 23, does not change. This is what he says. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. You ever wondered where it was at? And be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Look at me, church. And, and you know I don't harp on this a lot. But the truth of the matter is sin is sin. And we need to call it what it is. We, we need to stop hiding behind the world. And we need to start being transparent with the world. By the way, and, and again, don't get mad at me, but sin, we have to call sin what sin is even in our own lives. Well, we, have a, we have a good way of looking on the outside and saying, boy, that's terrible. But the bottom line is, is what's going on with me? It's got to start with me. I've got to look at my own life and evaluate my own life so that I can make sure that I'm in line with exactly where I should be. And that me as a Christian, that I'm not being deceived by the enemy. That, I, that the enemy is not being subtle in my life and overtaking my life as well. This means there are always consequences for sin. Satan wants to distort not only God's word, but also the truth about sin's consequences. So he comes in disguise and he comes to distort. Number three, um, he comes to divert. He comes to divert, to divert us. He, he tries to change our path. Satan gets Eve to focus on one tree out of all the thousands in the garden. He wants to divert her attention from all of God's wonderful provisions to the one thing he has prohibited. Let, let's talk about this in our lives for a moment, and let's just get real here, okay? Um, the, and I'm going to use my son as an example, just don't tell him I did, Okay. Um, my 14-year-old my will come to me and he'll say this, Dad, yes, when it starts with dad and a pause, there's always a want on the next 
It's like dad, comma, I want, except he doesn't start with the want. Dad, comma, everybody at school has. And just fill in the blank. These certain shoes. I, you know, I'm going to design my own line of shoes. I'm going to get the LW ones. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Kobe's got his, and LeBron James has got his. I'm gonna get some LWs. That's what I told my son. I said, I'm just gonna sign. I'm gonna go get some Skechers and sign LW on them. We're gonna have LW ones right there. But everybody has it. Everybody does, Dad. And I said, Will you define everybody for me? Because you go to a really big school. You know, I went to school, I graduated in the top five of my class because there was only five of us. <laughs> and the truth is, is everybody did have it, you know. It's a big school, you know. And uh, define everybody. Or I'll get this, Dad. <sighs> why, why can't I go? Everybody's going. It's amazing how everybody in that school can fit into somebody's house. (laughs) And I'll say to him, son, don't you have this and this and this and this? And then I'll pull uh, the dad card out and I'll say, you know, when I was your age, (laughs) you know, When I was his age, cell phones weighed more than I did. You know, you kind of walked like this as you had it on your hip, you know. You know what happens? This is what happens. By the way, my son is not alone. It happens to me, right? I look out and I'll go, whew, man, that's a beautiful boat my neighbor has. Man, that's nice. If only I didn't, huh, then the Lord reminds me, but Lee, you have this, and you have this, and you have this. You know, that's what the enemy does. The enemy allows us to focus on what we don't have compared to what we do have. I'll go to the hospital with somebody. And they'll be getting ready for surgery. And they'll be really nervous, which I would be too if I was laying there. And then they'll look at me and say, why has this happened to me? And I'll look back at them and I'll say, may I remind you, if I pulled this curtain back, it might be a little worse over here. See, you have to look at it in a positive sense. You have to look at it as the enemy is just putting blinders on you to the goodness of life. He wants to divert our attention from all of God's wonderful provisions in our lives to the one thing that he has prohibited. In the same way, Satan wants us to focus on the one forbidden thing until it becomes such an obsession. We will sacrifice anything to get it. 
Therefore, he diverts our attention from what truth that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in what? Uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth, look at this, who giveth us, what's the next word? Richly all things to what? Enjoy. To enjoy. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of things, and if we are all honest, I'll tell it myself because I know you don't want me telling you. There are a lot of things that I want. Am I the only one? Oh, okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> Six and I hang my hat and go home. Um, there's a lot of things that I want. I can make a list, right? I can make a list. But you know what? Look at me. I don't need anything. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? My God shall supply all of my, that's a singular word, by the way, according to his, who giveth us. It's amazing how the Bible correlates with each other. All things to enjoy. I love what Paul said. Paul said, and whatsoever state I am, therewith I will be content. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be happy. And that's what God wants us to do. Satan knows he can only lead us into sin when he diverts our thoughts from how good God has been to us. Satan always comes to disguise. He always comes to distort. He always comes to divert. And next, he comes to deny He comes to deny. He wants us to deny who Jesus really is. He wants us to deny our own personal salvation. You say, Pastor, uh, we certainly would never do that. I would be careful saying no, because that's the same thing Peter said. Peter said, I will never deny that I'm a Christian. I'll never deny that I'm a follower of Christ. And in fact, he did deny it. As a matter of fact, he not only denied it once, but he denied it three times. That is the enemy trying to get us to deny the truth and who God really is. If God let one unconfessed sin go unpunished, he would cease to be the holy and trust God. Law without punishment is only a suggestion. Right? The law without punishment is only... A suggestion. The other day we were sitting at a red light. My children are professional drivers. I don't know if you know that. They tell me when the light turns red. They tell me when the light turns yellow. I asked them, what are you supposed to do when it turns yellow? They said, speed up. I said, no, 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 no. I said, slow down. <laughs> so the other day we were sitting at the red light. And I saw in the rearview mirror uh, there was a police officer he was barreling down I mean he was just he was on it and I realized that I was in his path and he wasn't slowing down so I was able to get into the next lane and my children in the back are going dad you're breaking the law you're breaking the law stop you're breaking the law (laughs) and then this police officer through the red light The officer broke the law. (laughs) 
you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I understand that we are no longer under law, but we are under grace. We understand that, right? However, there are still guidelines that God gives us to follow that we shouldn't break. I want to show you something, and, and I really want you to understand this. When we talk about the Ten Commandments, many times that's what we talk about. You realize there are a lot more than ten of them. Um, but when we talk about them, the Bible says in the Old Testament um, that you are not to commit fornication. Right? That's what the Bible says. In the New Testament, the Bible says if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you have committed What happened? The law went to grace. Did you see it? But it became more severe. It became more guided. It became more real. The Bible says in the Old Testament, thou shalt not steal. The New Testament says, don't look upon your neighbor's things to covet after them. Right? You see, you could take the Old Testament law and we could say, oh, we don't have to abide by the law anymore. Okay, we don't have to abide by the law anymore. We have to abide by grace. And grace has, excuse the term, up the ante a little bit. You say, Pastor, why? Because under the law, Jesus had never died on the cross. Under grace, I mean, under the law, they were still sacrificing. They were still giving yearly sacrifices for their sins. And, and they were still going to the priest. Under the grace, we no longer have to do that. We have direct access to the throne of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Lamb of God. And now because of the sacrifice that was made, there is more required of us as Christians. so important that we do not allow the deception of the enemy to deceive us into thinking that everything is okay. We still have to abide by the guidelines of the word of God. It's so very important. Now, I'm not talking about preferences. Please understand that. I'm talking about true biblical, black and white, what the word of God says. Since there are serious consequences for sin, God gives us ample warnings in the Bible. For example, Jesus said, whoever believes in him has eternal life. In John 3, 36, the A part of the verse, the B part of the verse says this, and he that believeth not the Son shall not what? Shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Believing is eternal, unbelieving is wrath. If we really believe that truth, we will do everything we can to lead our relatives, associates, neighbors to Christ. A great way to do this is to invite them to a Bible study such as this, a worship service where they can hear God's word and the Holy Spirit can draw them to Christ. It's so important. Satan always comes in disguise. He comes to distort. He comes to divert. He comes to deny. Fifthly, he comes to discredit. I've got to hurry. He comes to discredit. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean he comes to discredit? Satan comes to discredit God's word. Therefore, what does the tempter tell Eve will happen if she eats of the forbidden fruit? Here it is. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Did God ever say that? No. No. 
This is the enemy. This is the enemy uh, uh, trying to again change the word of God. He's trying to, to, to get them to believe something that's not true. He's trying to make it seem better than it actually is. Satan wants to discredit God and his commands so we'll believe God is holding out on us. He wants to discredit God's integrity by implying he wants to spoil our fun and rob us of pleasure and enjoyment. Can I tell you why he wants to do that? Because he knows his end. The enemy knows his end. His end does not turn out well. And so he is wreaking havoc on the Christian to discredit God. The enemy tells Eve she would be as gods. That word translated in the Hebrew is Elohim. However, she is already like God, having been created in his image. Right? Having been created in his image. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, and then chapter 2 and verses 21 and 22. Yet when she ate the forbidden fruit, she became less like God because she was no longer free from sin, but was in fact introduced to the world into sin as a sinner. Satan doesn't want us to know he always comes in disguise to distort and to divert, to deny and to discredit. However, there's one other thing he doesn't want us to know, and that's this. This is my favorite part of the whole lesson, okay? Here it comes. His greatest dread. His greatest dread. You know, we all plan things in our lives that we look forward to. There are also things in our lives that we dread. Have you ever dreaded something? Have you ever thought, I wish time would slow down so that that day doesn't come? You ever thought that? Yeah? Uh, or, or that you didn't have to go somewhere or do something? Well, the enemy has a greatest dread. And he knows it's coming. What is his dread? Satan dreads that we will believe and revere the word of God, which reveals how to defeat him. He doesn't want us to believe what the Bible says about sin and how to avoid it. To the enemy, these are the most terrifying words. Psalm 119.11, you probably know this verse. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin Against thee. It is so important as Christians that we know the Word of God, that we memorize the Word of God. Because we're not always going to have our Bible, we're not always going to have our phone app around. When the enemy rears himself up, and if we can defeat the enemy with Scripture, you say, Pastor, is that even biblical? Should, is Scripture the, the power that we have? It's certainly what Jesus used. That's how Jesus defeated the enemy, remember? After he was fasting and, and praying and, and all of those things, and the enemy came and tempted him. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's amazing who the author is that's writing this. The author is David. David was a man that made a huge mistake in his life. Do you remember? He messed up big time. I love when God reveals things to us like that because it shows that even through our humanity that God still loves us and he cares about us and forgiveness is a real thing. 
Here's David, a man after God's own heart, the Bible says, that has done something and, and, and hurt himself and, and hurt others, even to the point where God took the life of his very child because of his sin. And David goes through a time of discouragement in his life. And he begins to cry out to God. And he realizes the answer to all of this is thy word. Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We should memorize God's word because there is a perfectly matched matched scripture for every temptation we will ever face. After his baptism, Jesus was tempted three times by the devil and Each time our Lord refused him by quoting a scripture. We find that in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. God's word doesn't do us any good if it remains on the printed page. It must be etched into our hearts. It must be etched into our hearts. When tempted by Satan, we like Jesus must be ready to cut the temptation to pieces with the sharp two-edged sword of the word of God. As Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The thought there, God's word doesn't do us any good if it remains on the printed page is so true. It must be applied to our lives. God's word says that, uh, that, uh, God says the word that comes out of his mouth and came to be written down in our Bibles will not return to him void. So what does the Bible declare in the last part of that verse? So shall my word be that goeth forth out of thy mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It will prosper. One reason God gave us, is the, gave us the Bible is so that we can resist the devil. If we use God's word properly, it will always achieve that purpose. Satan wants to destroy you and God's plan in your life. Therefore, Satan doesn't want you to know he always comes in disguise to distort, to divert, to deny, and to discredit. Also, Satan doesn't want you to know his greatest dread. We've spent two weeks on finding out who the enemy was. You say, Pastor, why? why? Why do we need to know who the enemy is? Because the enemy is real. He's real. And, and he is cunning. And we need to have our defenses up. Our defenses are the word of God. Our defenses are our prayer life. Our defenses are are walking in the path and in the footsteps of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have many more weeks left in this Spirit World series, and my prayer is is that as we travel through this, that we'll be encouraged, encouraged knowing that our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is in control of everything. Can I tell you something? He's even in control of the enemy. And that's what we need to understand. That's what we need to know. Nothing happens in our life without God allowing it to happen. And God gives us the strength and the power to overcome. You say, Pastor, where where is that at? The Bible tells us that he will not give us too much that we can't bear. And many of us will say, you don't understand. I'm bearing a lot. Right? Right? I feel like if one little feather drops, everything is going to break. Can I tell you, God knows that. He knows exactly where you're at. And what we have to do is we have to say, Lord, 
I'm trusting you in all things. I'm not going to let my defenses down. I'm not going to allow myself to get weak so the enemy can destroy me. I'm going to stay strong because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Let's say our prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for our time tonight. Thank you for allowing us to learn more about you and, uh, learn, uh, and Lord, learn more about the enemy in our lives. And uh, Lord, I pray that this will help us to be strong and courageous in all that we do. Lord, we love you and uh, we're so thankful for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll give us a great rest of the week. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. On Sunday, we, we uh, preach our last sermon in the series of The Journey, uh, being an ambassador for Christ, and we're looking forward to a wonderful day there. Uh, don't forget to stop by the Welcome Center or go to our website or download our church app. By the way, uh, for those of you that are, um, uh, have smartphones, my, I have a smartphone, but sometimes I think it's not too smart. Um, but if you have a smartphone, you download our app. Our app now has um, a full version of the Bible in it. Um, either King James or ESV, and uh, you can take that and you can actually uh, download um, that so that you don't have to ha- use uh, data or any type of Wi-Fi to actually use the Bible uh, right with inside of our app. It also has all of our events, it has all of our ministries, it has all of the sermons, everything that you want to know um, about the ministry if you so desire, and that is also all on our website as well, um, so it's available to you anytime. And uh, if you're... Uh, uh, want to find out more information about all the things that we have coming up, uh, you can go there or you can go to uh, the Welcome Center and pick it up and fill it out to join us for all the events. All right? God bless you. Have a wonderful week.